I want you to uh, imagine yourself having coffee with one of your closest friends. So take a moment, get, get that friend in your mind. You're having coffee with your friend, and in the midst of your conversation, they open up about their struggles. They explain to you that despite everything going on in their lives that's good, their, their, their success, their family, they, they feel empty and discouraged in life. And they share with you that they're missing something. And with tears in the eye, their, their eyes, they ask you that very important question, what am I missing? How can I be happy again? Why am I not happy? What do you say to someone who asks those questions? What do you say to your closest friend who asks that question? Now, there's a few things that you can say in that moment, and which a lot of us do say. First of all, we could say something like, you need to do whatever it takes to make you happy again to find what you're missing now, at the surface, this is, this is, I guess, advice. You're encouraging your friend to dig deep and find happiness in what they may have lost in life. But what happens when they think they found what makes them happy, and yet they still feel unhappy? Or they still feel like they're missing something in life? Then what are they supposed to do? Or you can go the other route and you can say, you know what, yeah, you're going through a hard time, but don't worry about it. You'll get through this. And we say those words, everything will be okay. Now, you're just trying to be there for your friend. You're just trying to say good advice to them. But what happens when they go on with their lives and everything's not okay? Then what are they supposed to do? You see, these are very okay things to say, but really what your friend needs is not to discover happiness inside of themselves or to have false hopes. They need something so much more, something so much deeper. They need to find something that's going to make them happy, something that's going to give them purpose that's outside of themselves. They need to discover the true source of life and happiness. They need to discover Jesus. Now, you're like, yeah, this is Sunday morning. I'm at a church, and you're supposed to say that. That's what you're probably thinking today. But you know what? I want to just refresh your minds and refresh my mind. Maybe we've taken this for granted, and that seems like a cliche answer because you're at church, and that's what I'm supposed to say. We need to discover Jesus. But let me just refresh your minds. Here's why we need to rediscover Jesus today. And it's going to be up on the screen in just a moment. So we'll see what happens. John 8, 12. There it is. Awesome. John 8, 12. This is why we need to not take for granted this idea of who Jesus is. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. How often are you in a dark room or a dark place and instantly you pull your phone out and turn on your flashlight app? 
Because you need light to light your way. Listen, we need to discover Jesus, every single one of us in this room, because he truly is the light that will lead to light in this dark and chaotic world. And that's exactly what we want to do today. As a church family, we need to accept this invitation and follow Jesus because he is the light that leads to life. And listen, if you accept this invitation, that begins an amazing process in life of becoming more like Jesus, which is the second root of our series that we're in. We're in a series called Growing Deeper, and this is our Vision 2023 series where we are looking at six different roots in which we want to grow in as a church and as individuals to become as healthy and stable as possible. And the second root here today is that we want to become more like Jesus. And so let's jump into what it looks like to become more like Jesus. And so, I love what Dallas Willard said. Brilliant guy. So smart. He says this. This is what it looks like to become more like Jesus. He says, true Christ-likeness, which is the idea of becoming more like Jesus, Christ-likeness. True companionship with Christ comes at the point where it is hard not to respond as he would. Where it's hard not to respond as he would. I love how he sums this up because he's basically, basically saying that becoming like Jesus literally means responding like Jesus in every aspect and circumstance in our lives. Now, I know that's hard to imagine, and that's something that we think, you know what, we're never going to get there. But I want you to imagine what would happen if we start responding like Jesus in our life, in our situation, in our circumstances. First, I think we would show love to all people, regardless of how they love us. Second, I think we would be quick to forgive instead of holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness. Third, I think we would embrace our pain and suffering as a means to trusting in God more, not running away from God further. And I, and I think, fourth, we would be able to discern God's voice and know his will for our lives. Listen, this seems a little daunting today. Does this seem hard? Yes. But is it possible? Absolutely. But here's what we have to understand today. You're never just going to accidentally fall into becoming like Christ, okay? You're not just going to wake up one day living your own life, living however you want, and one morning you wake up and say, yep, I'm like Jesus today, okay? Just like you can't go drop buckets like LeBron tomorrow. We don't just fall into this. It's a process. It's a process in life that we have to go through. And so thankfully, the Word of God, the Bible, gives us what this process looks like. And we've summed that up into three words that we talk about often here at the chapel. First, the process of becoming like Jesus is we first belong, and then we second, we believe, and then third, we become. So we find our belonging with Jesus and his people, then we believe and then, once we believe, we become like him. So let's look at this process. We're going to go word by word. And so what does it look like to belong? 
belong to Jesus. The sad reality is many people believe that they have to get their life together in order to be accepted by God and by the people in the church. But I'm here today to tell you that that is not the case. In fact, that is a huge reason why so many people never turn to God or step foot in these doors because they have this mentality that I can't ever approach God because of all my mess. I can't ever go to church because I'm not good enough. Well, listen, that is not the good news of Jesus Christ. That is not the gospel. In fact, that's the opposite message of what we're trying to teach here and what the Bible teaches. Listen, God does not say to us, get your stuff together and then you can come to me. He came to us. We just celebrated that with Christmas. It says that he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He comes to us and he meets us right where we are in life. He came to be with us, even though we didn't deserve it. You see, Jesus wants us to find our belonging with him. There's a few examples in the scriptures that are so uh, are, are good examples of this. And so before I read John 1, 38 through 39, just to give you a little context of this, this is, um, there, there's two there's two disciples of John the Baptist who kind of peel off of Jesus. They see Jesus, they, they stop following John the Baptist, and they go and follow Jesus. And this is the interaction Jesus has with them. Jesus looked around and saw them following and says, What do you want? I kind of envision the disciples like, like little puppy dogs, right, following them. And, and he says, What do you want? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he says, come and see. Just let those words sink in real quick. Come and see. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon, and they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Did you notice in there, Jesus doesn't say. They called him teacher, which means they didn't fully understand who he was. Okay? But did you see in there, Jesus doesn't say, hey, until you actually believe in who I truly am, then you can come with me and see where I'm staying. He doesn't say, go away from me, get your stuff together, and then we'll figure it out. He says those amazing, just profound words that change their lives. He said, come and see. Come and see. Come and see who I am. In those words, Jesus accepted them before they ever believed in who he was. It's an amazing example of how we belong with Jesus. Another example we find in Luke 15, 1 through 2. And um, just to let you know what's going on here, Jesus and the Pharisees didn't get along because they were living a lifestyle that was um, um, very exclusive. And when Jesus came, he was very inclusive. And this is a passage, and you probably have heard this a lot. And so tax collectors and other notorious sinners. I love the word notorious there because that means they were known for their sin. And so these weren't just some everyday people like you and me. These were notorious sinners. Like notorious people known for not following God. And yet 
Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such people, sinful people, even eating with them. How dare he? Even eating with them. You see, that word associating is so important because it means that he was accepting them or welcoming them into companionship. And so in this passage, we see a huge contrast between those who are very exclusive, saying, if you don't follow these things, you aren't welcome. And Jesus says, I don't care who you are. I'm going to receive you into companionship. In fact, I want you to come into companionship. Do you see the difference here? Jesus wants us to feel our belonging with him no matter who we are in life. The point is this, you and I belong at the table. No matter where you're at in your life, no matter how far away from God you are today or how close you are from God today, we all belong at the table. We need to find our belonging with Jesus. If our sin and our messy lives disqualify us, from Jesus, then none of us are worthy today. Not a single one of us deserves to be there if that's the case, but that's not the gospel. We belong, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And so I pray that you would find your belonging with Jesus. That's the first step. But just like any relationship, it has to progress It has to progress. And so that takes us to our next word. And once we find our belonging, hopefully that will progress into believing in Jesus. Because let me tell you, belonging is okay. It's good for a time, for a season. Maybe you're there today. But at some point, believing in Jesus is what changes everything. Believing in Jesus is what changes everything. And so let's look at that a little bit. What does it look like to believe in Jesus? Matthew 4.17 is a great passage that we need to kind of uh, jump off of here to, of what it means to believe in Jesus. Just the context of this passage before we read it, Jesus just was baptized and then he went off into the wilderness where he was tempted and he, he resisted the temptation like Adam didn't do. And then he comes into town and he begins his ministry. And this is what happens. He says, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now you might be sitting here and you're like, wait a minute, I don't like that that message right now. You know what? The church has abused this verse for years. And we've used it, the church has used it to make people feel like they don't belong unless they have some drastic change in their life this very day. And so if you believe that this is what it takes, we're going to get into this in a little bit, I'm sorry that the church has abused this this verse. And so let me just explain to you what Jesus is truly saying here. What is Jesus saying here in this verse? passage. This verse is not a condemnation. It's an invitation. 
This verse is not a, a verse to make you feel like you are less than. It's an invitation saying you can be a part of something greater than yourself, the kingdom of heaven. You see, what we need to understand is that this is an invitation to accept our reality and the truth of who Jesus is because he's calling us to repent. What does that word repent mean? That word repent means to change your mind. That's it. That's it. Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to change your mind about two things. First, about yourself. And second, about me. That's it. And so first, he wants us to change our mind about ourselves. I love what Tim Keller says. He says, the gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Okay, that's all of us in here today. Every single person in this room, this is true. We are more sinful and flawed than we've ever dared believe. Because we are so prideful, it's hard for us to accept this reality. It's hard for us to change our minds and understand that we are flawed, that we are sinners, that we do fall short of the glory of God, that we are broken, that we are missing something. It's hard for us to realize that. But Jesus says that's so important to understand. He says you need to change your mind about yourself. Because if you do change your mind, guess what? Then you will realize your need of a Savior. But if you don't change your mind about yourself, you're never going to realize your need for Jesus. And so we need to change our mind about ourselves. And then Tim Keller's quote continues, and it's amazing. So we're more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And then he says, yet, at the, sa- at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope than we ever dared hope. So not only do we need to change our minds about ourselves, but we also need to change our mind about who Jesus is. We need to change our mind about Jesus because he loves and he accepts us more than we can ever imagine in life. He loves and he accepts us even in our messiest, sinful state. You see, Jesus wasn't just a teacher. Do you remember that passage I read about how the two disciples came to him and called him teacher? The beauty of this story is that one of those disciples was named Andrew, who becomes one of the 12 apostles. And him, his brother was Simon Peter. And so he went with Jesus and he stayed with him for the day. And then in that process, he, he saw that Jesus wasn't just the teacher, he was the Messiah. And he leaves Jesus and he goes and he gets his brother, Simon Peter, who ends up being Peter, the, one of the apostles. And in that moment, both of them went from believing he's just a mere rabbi and teacher to the Messiah. He believed. You see, they changed their minds not only about themselves, but about, also about who Jesus was. And so let me just encourage you, when we believe in the perfect, sinless life of Jesus, and when we believe in his sacrificial death, and when we believe in the victorious resurrection, something amazing happens. We are reconciled with God. And let me explain that a little bit. And so when sin entered this world, you know what happened? Our relationship, mankind's relationship with God was broken. 
We're told in Genesis, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. They now, the relationship was broken. Something needed to fix that, and that's what Jesus does. And when we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, he reconciles our relationship with God. Okay? And at the same time, we are given a gift of eternal life which is our hope, not for this life, but for the next. And that's where a lot of people stop. We're like, yeah, sure, awesome. I'm so glad I have salvation and I have eternal life. That's amazing. But you know what else he gave us? He also gave us the ability to live our lives now. He gave us life today. He gave us the ability to walk on this earth, physical life today, so that more people can come to know him through our lives. He gives us the ability to love like he loves, to show grace like he shows, to give hope like he gives hope. And so not only does he change our eternity, but he he changes our present. You see, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, when we change our minds about ourselves and about who Jesus is, Jesus gives us a new heart, he gives us a new life, and he gives us a new purpose. Which brings us to our last step. When we belong, we find our belonging at the table with Jesus, and then we see that he truly is the Savior of the world, and then he truly gives us not only spiritual life, but also physical life now. Then we begin the process. At that moment, we're given this new heart. We're, we begin the process of becoming like him. Becoming like him. And that's what we want to strive at today. As we follow him for the rest of our lives, we will begin to progressively look like Jesus, respond like Jesus, and love like Jesus. Because listen, his love is steadfast. It's amazing. Who he is, he's God, and he has given us salvation through him. And so when we begin and we believe that in him, and we begin that process, we'll progressively begin to look like him. This process, here's another word for you. This process is called sanctification, all right? It's a beautiful word. Don't shy away from these big words. This process is called sanctification. Here's what it means. The process in which the Spirit works in our heart and our lives so that people can see Jesus through us. The process of sanctification is us being made into the likeness of Jesus after we believe in him. And so I don't know where you're at on your journey, but many people will tell me, you know what, once I put my faith in Christ, my life changed. That's the process of sanctification right there. That's the process of becoming more like Jesus, that Jesus continues to work in your heart and your life and things you once did and thought were important aren't important anymore and you don't do them anymore because of what you believe in. This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to continually become like him. But the question is, is how? The question is, is how? Listen, I am not going to stand here and tell you to work harder at this today. So I'm not going to give you 
seven steps of becoming more like Jesus today. Because you want to know what? It's not about a list to do. That's not the gospel. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you, you know what? You have to work harder. Because listen, Jesus already did the work for us. And so what is our responsibility as believers, as those who believe in Jesus? What are we to do to make sure that we continually become like him? And John 8, 31 through 32 tells us, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. So listen, he's not talking about those who just find their belonging. He's talking about those who believe in his life, death, and resurrection. He says, those who believe in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Notice what he didn't say. He doesn't say, hey, you are truly my disciples if you do X, Y, Z. He doesn't say, you are truly my disciples if you make sure you do this and give all this money to me. He doesn't say any of that. He says two words, if you remain faithful. If you remain faithful. And then he goes on, and you will know the truth. We remain faithful, we'll know the truth, and guess what? The truth will set you free. The gospel is not a burdensome thing. The salvation we have in Christ and becoming more like him is not something to be a weight on us. In fact, it's the opposite. It's supposed to relieve the weight. It's supposed to set us free from the burdens of the fact that we're not perfect. Faithfulness is God is what God wants from us, not perfection. I have a seven-year-old daughter who is a perfectionist. And we are homeschooling, and we're beginning to see this, this weight of perfection on her. Maybe you can relate. And you know what? It absolutely grieves my heart when she's writing a sentence. She's seven, and she messes up, and it completely disrupts her entire day. It hurts my soul because this is the opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have to sit there and I have to talk to her and say, listen, you will never be perfect. You're never going to live up to that. And she doesn't get it yet. And so many of us in our spiritual lives have that perfectionism mentality thinking, I need to be perfect. And let me tell you, you will never be perfect. Jesus already did that for us. He already did it. And so this idea of following Jesus is not a weight. In fact, it's a freedom because Jesus sets us free from that weight. But all Jesus wants from us is faithfulness. Faithfulness in him. Because when we remain faithful in him, you know what happens? Our roots grow in him, like Colossians 2 says. And when our roots grow in him, you know what happens when we grow? Guess what? The nutrients of Christ will then produce Christ-like fruit in our lives. Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The list goes on. When we're rooted in Christ, the nutrients of Christ will then be produced from our lives. That's what it means to become like Jesus. You will never be perfect like him. He is perfect for you and for me. And all he wants is our faithfulness. That's it. Belong, believe, become. That's the process we want to focus on. And so listen, by 2023, we want to help people become Christ-centered in every aspect of their life. 
every aspect of their lives. And our mission statement is to help people move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. And so listen, over the next three years, there's going to be opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to grow in your knowledge and your faith in him. I can't take that step for you. You have to take that step. And so I'm going to be praying for you in that process that you would take those steps. And so we're going to do many things. We want to learn how to read and understand God's word more clearly. And so we're going to jump into that. We want to incorporate the spiritual disciplines into our daily lives, not so that we can check them off, but because of who Jesus is and what he's already done for us. We want to embrace our row, circle, chair, go. We're going to explain that later. We're going to take next steps in our spiritual growth model, explore, begin, engage, influence We're going to offer new focus classes, which are classes that focus on specific topics. And so listen, there's going to be so many opportunities coming up in the next three years, and I pray that you will jump into some of these so that you can become more like Christ. And so as we leave here today, I want you to just remember those three words, belong, believe, and become. All of us in here are somewhere on that spectrum. Some of you are finding your belonging. This is brand new to you. And guess what? Come and see. That's all I want to say to you. Come and see. Continue to come and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Some of you are in this process of where you just believed or you want to believe in Jesus. And for you, I want to just tell you to just by faith trust in Jesus. Give your life to him. And if you've already ever done that in your life, you are in this becoming stage. And I pray for you that you will continue to to let that weight of perfectionism off your shoulders and that you will embrace Jesus and remain faithful to him. And so no matter where you're at, I hope and pray that you would move one step closer today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the fact that we can become like you. You're the one that makes it possible. We can only become like you by your grace and by your love. And I pray that you would work in our hearts and in our minds, that we would take those steps, that we would listen to you so that we can become more like you, so that you can use us to draw more people to yourself. And so, God, we give you all the glory today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for being here today. We're going to dismiss like we usually do. Have a great Sunday.